right, all right. We, uh, we're going to get started. So glad that you guys are here tonight. Uh, let me pray, and then we'll jump right in. Father, we do uh, want to just pause and acknowledge um, your goodness and your kindness and your grace in our life. Uh, many of us have, have come in here tonight from, uh, we fought traffic to get here, we, we had a stressful day at work, we had uh, things maybe didn't go as we thought they would go today, and uh, relationships that are hurting, and all sorts of baggage, and all sorts of um, experiences in our life. And so, man, we just want to pause tonight. We want to say thank you for freeing us from our sin because of Jesus. We want to say thank you for making us a masterpiece that you have created each one of us uh, to be used for your glory, that you've given us a purpose in life, that we don't have to waste our life, that there is um, uh, this great picture that you're painting with us. And so we we thank you that you've given us um, opportunities to use gifts and talents, abilities that you've given us to turn around and then invest them in, in things that would make an eternal difference. And so thank you for that. Thank you for who we are in you. And so would you help us to remember tonight and even more so as we walk out of these doors um, that we're yours, that our position um, related to you is good, that you see us as an adopted son or daughter of Jesus. And so we thank you for that privilege tonight. You pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Well, man, we are so glad that you guys are back with us week four. It's crazy that uh, four weeks have flown by. Um, I told you a little bit of my testimony when we were together um, a couple of weeks back. And, you know, I was, I was talking to my friend Rick in the back about my wife. And he said, hey, what is your wife like? And so I want to tell you how we met. We met about 14 years ago. Um, my, my grandmother lived in a small town outside of Waco, Texas. And so she fell hanging a bird feeder. She, she was up on a ladder. She fell down and broke her leg hanging a bird feeder. It was the most awesome thing that ever happened. So she went to the hospital with a broken leg. And so my friend in, in Waco, Hillcrest Hospital. So my friend Jason and I, we drove to Waco and um, went to visit my grandmother and the hospital went there. Hey, you got a broken leg. Wow, hope that heals up. And did all the stuff that you do. We were a little bit more loving than that. And then we left, and it was on a Sunday night. And right across the street from Hillcrest Hospital, there was this little Methodist church. And they had this sign. We were college students. And there was a sign that said, Free Potluck Dinner Tonight. And so I go, Hey, bro, you want to go get potluck dinner at this Methodist church? Potluck dinners are awesome, by the way. I wish we'd do that. We could have an awesome one at Watermark. Um, so we went into this church to this potluck dinner and we went in there. That's my personality. It's just like, man, let's just do it. Who cares, man? We went in there and all these like Baptist Baylor girls were trying to witness to us and, and take us through the spiritual law tracks and all that. And, uh, one of the girls there, she invited, she's like, Hey, what are you doing? She invited us to a movie. That's not safe by the way, girls to invite some guys you just met to a movie. So we ended up going to a movie that night. That girl, her roommate who was home studying because she was a biochem major, was Abby. And so, who is now my wife. And so we went to the movies that night. Um, and we, I think we saw um, Urban Legends Part 1. Super romantic. It was like around Halloween. And um, we went into that movie. And, and for me, I see every opportunity as an opportunity to build relationships. And so if you ever go to a movie with me, this is how it's going to go. Hey, man, so what's up? What did you get into today? Shh, I'm watching the movie. Hey, so which, well, how was work today? And so she's like, do you always talk during the movie? Every movie? I'm like, yes, always talk all the time, even at a movie. So 
She's like, that's really annoying. And so you fast forward, fast forward seven years from there, and we're on our honeymoon. And so we're on our honeymoon, and uh, we, we go to Hawaii on our honeymoon. And we get to Hawaii, and I have this, God has this really crazy, cruel joke that he plays on me. And everywhere I go, I meet the weirdest people sometimes, and like on an airplane. I never get like the normal person on the airplane. I get like the weirdest person ever on the airplane sits next to me every time, right? Like I'm like, I pray going on an airplane, God, let me just sit next to like a Baptist youth pastor and like a Methodist youth pastor and just, they love Jesus. It's like the guy sits next to me with the Book of Mormon on one side and like horoscopes on the other every time I'm on an airplane. And so like we get, like everyone that we talk to, I feel like needs the gospel, everybody. And so the whole time we're on a honeymoon, we're meeting the most craziest people ever. And then it goes into like this 45 minute conversation of the gospel. And so we're in Maui, right? I'm on our honeymoon. And I feel like that's all we're doing. And then my sweet, sweet wife, but like, I think it was like the couple of three, four nights in, she's like, hey, Rick, this is going to sound really crazy, but tonight, can you please not talk about Jesus with anyone? Can we please just go to dinner tonight? So I'm like, man, you bet. So we go to dinner. We have this nice dinner. We get back to our hotel. We go to the hot tub that's outside. We get in the hot tub, and we're sitting there with all these other married couples, which is sort of weird. It's a, hot tubs are weird in general, but we're sitting there. And, and it's like these, and so I just, oh, everywhere I go, I just go, hey, man, hey, what, what's up, guys? Where are you guys from? It's like an Indian spiritist, some fortune teller, and some other faith. And she looks at me, rolls her eyes, and goes, I'm going back to the room. And I was like, Abby, this is, you got to let me do this. And listen, that's just our personalities. That's how we are. My, I am the kind of guy, anywhere I go, if I'm in an elevator, elevator with you, man, I want to talk to you for the whole 17 seconds that we're in the elevator. That's just how I am. My wife, on the other hand, she's a little more slower than that. She likes to take things a little slower. She doesn't get in everybody's face. I don't, you know, some people say you got to have that, um, that personal boundary rule when you're talking to someone. I break the personal boundary rule every time. I'm the, I'm like, I just like to touch people, hug people. She doesn't do that. She keeps the, the appropriate amount of distance. We're just different. That's how God designed both of us. I'm a loud, sometimes obnoxious person. She's uh, very uh, uh, polite and kind and, and softer. And guess what? Neither one of us, neither one of us is better than the other. Her way is not right. My way is not right. God just uniquely designed our personalities to be different. And that's awesome. That's good. That's the way that we're designed as a body. As we talked about the other night, we have eyes and ears and feet and all those different parts of a body. And, and neither one is better or worse. And so we all have in this room different personalities. And we have to understand that God is making this masterpiece on the canvas of our life. And he uses our personalities to do that. Our personalities are masterpieces to God. Well, some of us are just really obnoxious, but most of us, God is... We have these personalities that God has given us, and they're masterpieces. Here's the crazy part. We're sometimes really good at believing that our life and our personality is a masterpiece, but God, those annoying people like me who are really annoying sometimes, I'm also a masterpiece. If you're an introvert and I feel like you don't talk to anyone, like, you're a masterpiece. All of our personalities are masterpieces, all of them. And so we have to understand that we're a masterpiece in Christ, and we also have to understand that the people who have different personalities than us are also masterpieces. Um, Webster's Dictionary just defines personality as the complex characteristics that distinguishes an individual. 
um, the complex characteristics that distinguishes an individual. We all have these complex characteristics, these things about us, these quirky things about us that, that God has put into us. That's our personality, and, and God wants to use our personality. Here's a quote. It says, um, uh, perhaps, you were, perhaps you were unaware of the fact that you are the customized expression of a loving God. You have been endowed with a unique mix of competencies and the desire and drive to use them in pursuit of an outcome of personal importance. Your life has meaning built into it. Effectively, you have an exciting, challenging, and achievable destiny if you will discover and embrace who you were designed uh, to be. Who you were designed to be. Like stained glass, our different personalities reflect God's light in many different colors and patterns. Like many different colors and patterns. If you look at a stained glass window and you have those, um, those beautiful patterns that are different and unique and they all come together and the light shines through that and it makes this beautiful, you know, we go to chapels and take pictures of them because they're, they're beautiful. Um, Psalm 139, also to go to scripture, says this. You've heard this before. I love it. It says, um, for you formed me. This is David talking to God. You, God, you formed me. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I, I praise you, God, for I, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm wonderfully made. Wonderful are all your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, being made in the womb of my mother, you wove me together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every day of my life. The days were formed for me when there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still, still with you. Um, God has created each of us. He's knitted us together, um, and he has designed our personality, um, our DNA. He has put that together in a way that we are to use that for the glory, the glory of God. Um, and so when we talk about personality, we, we typically look at a couple things. How do you relate to others? That's one area of our, our personality. How do, you, how do you relate to other people? And then how do you respond to opportunities? How do you relate to people? And then how do you respond to opportunities that really God uh, puts in front of you? You know, and by, by looking at our personality, by looking really at these two areas, we begin to, to gain an insight of how our personality, our personal characteristics that God has given us. We start to look at those. And sometimes I think what we do is we just kind of live through life and we don't really stop and think about, you know, how, how am I formed? How did God specifically form me? You know, what, what, what particular way am I wired to go in life? And those are really important. Um, you know, think about this for a second when it comes to relating to others. Um, when you walk into a room full of strangers, see, I always love the first day of class at any school, college, undergraduate school. I'm the guy walking in, hey, what's up? Where are you guys from? Like, I love the first day of class. Some people, the first day of class, they walk, or they walk into a room full of strangers, their first inclination is to run and hide. They get really nervous. Listen, neither one of those is bad. Um, I like to mingle. Hey, what's up? Where are you from? And some people feel really uncomfortable with that. So um, how, do you relate, how do you relate to others? And what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you um, a couple of different, I'm going to just kind of slam them to you. And I want you to think about yourself as I'm explaining each of, these, each of these to you. 
Um, and typically, as you see these, what I'm about to put on the screen, people fall really into one or two of these categories. Now, sometimes you might have a blurry line, but you may find as we're looking at these that you fit in either one. And you can uh, feel free to write these down. So the first is energizing. Extroverted uh, versus introverted. Um, there's a little bit of a misnomer when it comes to extroverts and introverts. Um, you know, we think of sometimes extroverted being people that are loud and crazy all the time and like jumping on tables, ADD. And we think of introverted as, as like these bookworms, you know, like they sit at home and all they want to do is, is, is bury their self with books and Netflix. Um, that's a little bit of a n- misnomer. What these really mean is energy. Where do you get your energy from? Do you gain your energy from external things or do you gain your energy from internal things? It goes like this. Um, extroverted, be thinking about this. When I, when, I, when I say one of these, think about which one you fit into. Extroverted is the preference that relates to drawing energy from outside of yourself and the external world of people, activities, and things. Introverted is the preference that relates to drawing energy from the inner world of ideas, emotions, and impressions. Um, if you were to ask my wife and I, hey, where, where do you, if you could go on one place on vacation, the one place, you know, this year you're going to go on a vacation, where would you want to go? Almost every time I say New York, and we go to New York a lot. I love New York. I love the energy. I love the people. I love plays. I love all that. If you ask my wife, she will say, I want to go to a beach. I want to go to the mountains of Colorado. Always. And so we're always like, no, no, I want to go to this place. And she's like, Rick, I don't like to go on your vacations because I need a vacation from that vacation when we go on vacation because all you want to do is be in Times Square talking to people all day. And then I'm like, Abby, I got to go to a vacation when I go on your vacation because I'm bored out of my mind sitting there all day reading People magazine all day. That is boring. Neither one of us are wrong. See, where do you get your energy? I get my energy when I'm around people. But I also have some introverted tendencies. I I like to kind of be at home sometimes, but I get my energy around people. You may get your energy. You go, man, I really got to go to the botanical gardens, to the arboretum and sit by myself for eight hours and get energized. That would drain me. I got to go walk around the mall to get energy. So introverted, extroverted, that's how you get your energy. Do you get your energy from being around people or do you get your energy um, internally? Um, attending. This is sensing and intuition. Sensing versus intuition. Uh, Sensing relates to to a preference for paying attention to information directly received through the five senses and focusing on what actually exists. You look at the facts. You go, man, I want the facts. What are the facts? What's the evidence? Uh, You like spreadsheets. Uh, You like order. Uh, You like to see the dots. You like to connect the dots. That's sensing. Intuition Uh, This refers to the preference for paying attention to information that's taken through a sixth sense and going for what might be rather than what actually exists. Uh, Discernment, you just sort of go with the flow. That's sort of how I am. Sensing versus intuition. You want the facts or you go, hey, I I just kind of want to read people. I'm really good at reading people. Um, Sensing versus intuition. Deciding. Thinking versus feeling. Um, what is the system that you use when making a decision? Uh, thinking is the preference uh, that relates to organizing and structure, structuring information in a logical way. Uh, feeling is the preference for organizing and structuring information based on personal value-oriented things. So logic 
Very logical. Again, spreadsheets. Uh, you're, you might be called an A-type personality. And the other is sort of, hey, man, I'm going to go with what I know. I'm going to go with, um, and there's some overlap in this, but I'm going to go with, um, it's more personal to me. It doesn't have, I can't put it in a box for you. Uh, you're a thinker or you're a feeler. A lot of times, artists, you know, we kind of jokingly say they're feelers. You know, people that are musicians or artists, they're feelers versus like an accountant, you know, might be a thinker. And neither one of those are wrong. You got to have both. So are you a thinker or a feeler? Um, Living. So this is judging versus perception. What type of life will you adopt? Judgment is the preference that relates to living a planned and organized life. Again, you have a planner. Back in the day when you used to go to the Stephen Covey store and buy one of those planners with all those really cool cartoons in them, you had one and you used it correctly. Uh, Perception refers um, for living in a more spontaneous and flexible way. You don't live by um, calendars. You're easily interrupted. You're okay with that. And then other people go, hey, whoa, you want to grab lunch with me, man? You got to schedule it out. I like to schedule it. I like it there. You're into like color-coded things. You have a lot of highlighters. You have a highlighter collection. Neither one of those are bad. A little weird, but... And so those are sort of the four, four boxes. It, 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 and usually it's pretty easy to see which way you drift as far as your personality. You're a person that likes to be around people. You go with the flow. Or you're a person that's a little more uh, structured. And we need those people. My, my, my wife, again, she is um, very analytical. She's a, she's a physician, right? So you want your doctor to sort of not be all over the map. <laughs> But she's confident, and she, and, she, and she likes to slow down. She has to go, hey, let's plan things. She's a planner. Um, I'm not a planner. I go, hey, man, look, I, you know, we can do this. You know, you want to go to Disneyland tomorrow? I mean, that's just how I am. She wants to plan it out. But what's crazy is we learn from each other. We learn from each other. Um, now, how do you waste your personality? Because you can waste your personality. You, you, can, you can live your life and, and, and waste um, your personality. How do, you, how do you do that? You ignore your, your uniqueness and do good things while missing the best things. You ignore your uniqueness and do good things while missing the best, the best things. Um, man, we're, we are all unique. And, and I think sometimes this weird thing happens where, and I don't know if it's, if I, th- I think maybe it's sin or just insecurity, which is a root of sin, but Sometimes we're just not confident in who God has made us to be, or we see other people's gifts. Like, you're going to meet my friend Mo tonight. If you've ever seen, when you come in on Sundays and you get a copy of the Watermark News, he takes the picture pretty much on all of those, and I see his gifts. I'm like, man, that's awesome. It'd be really awesome to tell stories like that with photography. I mean, I really want to do that, right? And, and so, like, but God hasn't made me a photographer. I mean, I do like to take photos, but I'm not, that's not my gift. And so I don't want to, one, covet his gift, and two, I, I don't want to, Ignore my own uniqueness. I don't want to think about things that maybe God has gifted me and that he hasn't gifted my friend Moen. And then do good things while we miss the best things. Um, I think we do this a lot. We settle, right? And we go, hey, man, God has really gifted me in this thing, whatever that thing is for you. So maybe it is photography. And you go, man, I'm a really, really good photographer. My community has confirmed that. Other people, when they see me take pictures, they're moved by those stories that I tell. And you go, but you know what? Instead of developing that thing, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, 
plant a community garden because I'm kind of, you know, I know how to plant tomato plants or whatever, which is awesome. But what are you really good at? What's the best thing? What's the thing that God has uniquely created you to be that maybe for some of your life, you've put that under a bushel and you go, well, man, it's hard because it's, it's hard work to develop things, right? I mean, even something that you're good at, it, it, it's hard work. And we're going to talk about that here in, in experiences a little bit, but you know, it, it's hard work. It's hard work to grow in our faith. It, I mean, it takes work. I think sometimes as Christians, we just pretend that it's an easy thing to do to get up and spend time with God and cultivate that relationship. Or maybe you are good at photography, right? And that's a gift that you have. Like that takes work. You don't just put your camera in your backpack and never use it. You've got to use it. You've got to do things. You've got to stretch yourself. And so you need to ask yourself, what is the thing that God has uniquely created you to do that you go, man, this is maybe something that you wrote down last week. And you go, this is my best use of time. But what you don't want to do is settle for the good when God wants you to, to do the best. And so rejoice in your uniqueness. Don't be scared of your uniqueness. You don't have to be... Uh, like anyone else, there's a Dr. Seuss quote that says something to the effect of you're the only you that you can be. Anybody know it? Any school teachers? But it's basically like you're the best you you can be. Like there is no other you. And that sounds cliche, but it's true. Like God needs you. He doesn't need four Moes or four Ricks or 10 Todd Wagners. He needs you to be you. That's what God has called you to be. Anything less than that, you're settling. You're settling. Another way you can waste your personality is rejoice in the strengths of your personality and deny your weakness rejoice in the strengths of your personality and deny deny your weakness man we are all weak at something you know and and like i used to think it was really cool maybe in my young 20s to to pretend that i was good at everything that's a that's that's a really dumb thing to do right like everyone knows that you're really not good at everything right i mean like who are you fooling and sometimes we want to be like ultra competent and what I'm learning now, and it's been in the Bible all along, right? I mean, the Bible talks about boasting in your weakness. Like, it's okay to say that you're not good at something. Like, for me, uh, we have a really awesome admin in our department who's really awesome at organization, spreadsheets, all the things that you want an admin to be good at. I'm not good at that. I will never be good at that. And so I can go to 15 workshops on Excel. I will never be good at that. I hate it in a loving, godly way. But it's okay to say I'm not good at something. I don't know where in our culture and our society it ever got to, to, to be at a point where we pretend that we're good at everything and try to pretend to be ultra competent, like outside of, like we want to be like God. But we're not God. God is God and humans don't make very good gods. And so we go, hey man, I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not good at some things. And that is why it's important to be in a community with people who aren't like you. You know, my... my um, you know, my wife, I, you, you could call her and she will quickly tell you all the things that I'm not good in and, and, and growing to acknowledge. But we have to acknowledge that we're weak in things and, and that's okay. And, and I th- you know what else? That helps people when we get around other people and we go, hey man, I'm not good at this. You know, like I love, one thing I love about our pastor here is that on Sunday you'll hear this a lot, but in our staff meetings, lots of times he'll go, man, I, I struggle sometimes to be the dad all the time that God wants me to be or the husband that God wants me to be or the leader. That, and so I need people. I need to be admonished and pointing to God's word. And that, that helps me. He's like, man, if that guy is struggling to be an awesome dad, that gives me hope when I'm an idiot dad sometimes, right? I mean, it helps other people when we're honest with our weakness. And here's another one that's really big. Disregard the unique uniqueness of others. Um, this is a hard one for me. I don't know about you guys, but it's hard for me because 
Um, I want other people to be like me a lot of times. How arrogant is that? I'm just being honest. Like, I, I want people to work like I do. I want people to communicate like I do. I want people to have a workflow like I do. I want people to do, like, that's in me, okay? And that is really sinful. And one thing that God is really teaching me a lot, I feel like every day, is that people are different. People communicate different. People respond different. You know, I, I get frustrated. I'm just going to be honest with you. If I email someone and they don't reply back to the email in like four minutes, I'm really frustrated. And if I text them and they don't text back in like 30 seconds, I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? I'm, I'm like, I need, the, I need you to respond. But other people don't communicate like me. Other people aren't tied to their phone all the time. That's okay. You know, and so what we need to do is we need to not disregard the uniqueness of others, but we need to remember that other people are different and it's okay. That's what we got to remember. Not only is it okay, they are a masterpiece in God's eyes and God created them to be different. And so, man, you know, I think I've said this before, like working at a church, you, you, you think like, man, it's going to be really awesome. Like a bunch of Christian people who love Jesus, who read their Bible, they're all working together all the time. That's got to be really cool. Kind of like heaven on earth. It's not. There are sinful people that work together and sinful people with really strong personalities. And so, man, we've got to work well. We've got to deal with conflict well. We've got to love each other well. That's how we do things. In our community, if you're in a community group, which I hope that you are, you realize quickly that everyone's not like you. And it's okay. And it's not fun all the time when people go, hey, bro, I'm not like you, and I don't like that you're trying to make me like you. And they admonish you, which is awesome. They should. But we cannot disregard the uniqueness of others and value it and know that God created them like that for a purpose. And so it'll change the way you work with people. It'll change the way you treat your spouse if you're married or your significant other if you're dating. When someone gets on your nerves and you go, hey, you know what? And you stop and you pray and you go, God, you made them that way. Their, their personality is rubbing me wrong, but is it me somehow? Like you've made, and it might really be sin, but it might just be you're, you're the sinner not realizing that God made them the way they are and they're valuable that, that way. You don't have to change them. You don't have to make them like you. Like I often try to make my wife like me, you know? Like people will call her and, hey, can you take me to the airport at like 2.20 in the morning? I'm like, Abby, tell them we'll give them 10 bucks for an Uber. You don't need to go take them to the airport at 2.20 in the morning, you know? And she's like, Rick, man, that's what I do. I serve people in that way. I'm like, serve them by giving them 10 bucks. They got, I got an Uber discount code. But you know what? That's her and me. That's how God wired her, man. Her gifts, she has a strong gift of service. And it's sinful for me to try to make my wife serve like me, right? That's sinful. It's bad. So we have to value the uniqueness of others. Um, Here's the last one here. Avoid responsibility because the task is outside of our personality. Avoid responsibility because the task is outside of our personality. And I think this is a hard one, man. I think, I think this is like a fine line because, and I think this takes discernment, having people around you, community around you. But I think I told you a couple of weeks ago, like don't ever think you know yourself better than God does, right? And sometimes God may ask you to do something to stretch you. Um, he may ask you to do something outside your personality. You know, he may ask you to sit at a table full of people and lead a discussion. And you go, man, lead a discussion, that's like really awkward for me. I don't like to talk to anyone. Like, guess what? You might have to do that sometimes. Um, so don't, don't avoid it just because it's outside. 
ask yourself, hey, is God trying to stretch me or grow me in a place? Have you ever um, done something? I don't know. I'm sure many of you have, but, but you go, hey, man, I'll never do this. I will never, ever do this. And then God, somehow, some way, somebody asks you, hey, I really need someone to lead out in this way. And you go, no way, man. There's no way I'm working with second graders. I don't like kids at all or dogs or whatever. And then, they, and then you, but you do it, you do it, and you go, man, whoa, this was kind of cool. I kind of feel, I'm glad I did that. See, so don't avoid responsibility because the task is outside of your personality. God may want, God may want to stretch you. Um, so that's, that is our personality. And we're going to go through experience. We're going to kind of go through quickly on that also because I, sp- I want you to spend some time with my friend Mo in a sec. And we're going to have some questions at the end, some Q&A time that you're really going to enjoy. So I'm going to, we're going to go through experience, but experience is the last one, S-H-A-P-E. So we said spiritual gifts, um, heart, ability, personality, and the final E in the shape is, ex- is experience. And I like this quote here. It says, uh, life can only be understood backwards but it must be lived forwards. Forward. I, I, I have a, my, one of my uniquenesses is I, I don't use spell check a lot, so it should be forward. But um, experience is this weird thing because I, I like to picture this idea of a mountain, okay? And, and it's this idea of this mountain where you got one car traveling up the mountain this way, and as that car is traveling up the mountain, it can't see over the mountain, right? It only sees what's in front of it, right? But let's say you have another car on the other side of the mountain going up. So you have these two cars going up the mountain. Your view is, man, I'm the only person on the mountain. The other guy's view is, I'm the only person on the mountain. But God has this really unique aspect that none of us have. And he has this aspect that's even above the mountain. So he sees down and he sees both vehicles at the same time on the same mountain going up, right? He has a totally different perspective. Um, And so our view of experience, right, is, is radically different than God. I mean, because God is outside of time. God is outside of space. God is omnipresent. God sees the beginning from the end, right? And we only see the snapshot of our life. And um, one of the, the huge tragedies that we often make in life is that we tend to judge the story by the snapshot, right? We see these, we live our life in these snapshots. And my friend Mo is about to talk to you about snapshots, but we live our life in pictures, right? Polaroid moments. But God sees, sees everything. I mean, God sees the whole story. Um, you know, I, I, I was joking with Mo earlier, and I was telling him, how many of you guys remember photo albums? Anybody have like a physical photo album in your house? Like those are kind of outdated. We just pull our phones out now. But my parents had a photo album, right? And you put that photo album on the coffee table, right? And if you, I don't have a photo, I have a digital photo album, right? I mean, I have a phone, but if you came to my house and I had a photo album, I could pretty much tell you what photos would be in that album, right? It's going to be pictures of my marriage, you know, the wedding day. It's going to be pictures when our baby was born. It's going to be the time we went to Disney World in front of that castle. It's going to be hanging out at Trinity Groves with that white bridge in the background. I mean, you know, it's going to be the things that are happy times, right? But here's what you would never find. You would never come to our house, sit down at our couch, grab the photo album, and see the picture of when I was a jerk to my wife and argued with her all the way to church. And we sat in the parking lot and she was crying. I never took a picture of that moment and put that in the the album. Never. Uh, You're not going to see the picture of when the doctor came in and said your son was born with Down syndrome. And we wept 
uncontrollably. We didn't pull our camera out and say, hey, let's take a, a Down syndrome selfie here. You know, we didn't do that. Here's Noah. You wouldn't find that picture. I'm just being honest. That picture's not there. We don't put our most heart-wrenching moments in that album. And so what I do is I manipulate my experiences. And so when you look at my photo album, you think, man, we do this with Facebook and Twitter, by the way, also. Man, his life is awesome. He's the best husband in the world. He's the best dad in the world. All they do is eat at Chili's all the time. No. One day I wish we had like a week of social media honesty. And all we did was put the honest moments. Hey, I argued with my wife over stupid stuff tonight. You know? We manipulate our experiences, right? That's what we do. We show people the good stuff. We hide the, bi- the bad stuff. And, and, and we pick and choose what experiences and moments and snapshots of our life that we share with other people. And what we're going to learn tonight is that that's a really bad way to be on mission for God. That, that is a, that's just a really bad way to be on mission for God. Man, it's just not the right way. I, I want uh, you to imagine your life as a, as a hallway. I want you to do this experience with me. And I want you to think back with me of, of all the key experiences that have happened in your life. So every moment from the earliest memory that you can remember to now. So childhood joys, childhood sorrows, the pain and thrill of adolescence, um, the struggle and accomplishment of adulthood, Academic successes, worldly successes, business successes, your first job, your first boyfriend or girlfriend, first kiss, if you're married. Just kidding. Y'all better read the Watermark News the other day. Um, but I want you to think of all those moments, and I want you to think about them in snapshots. I mean, I can, we had our house burned down in the fourth grade. I remember that snapshot of my family coming in to tell me, hey, our house burned down. I remember moving. I remember my grandparents pumpkin pie. Like, there's just snapshots of our life. I remember vividly the moment that doctor came in and told us about Noah. Just these really vivid snapshots. And I want you to imagine um, that you're walking down this long hallway. And in that hallway, on the left side of the hallway, there's these, there's these portraits, there's these frames. And each of those frames have paintings in them. They have pictures in them. On one side, there's paintings of all the joy and the excitement and achievement and fulfillment, all the good things, all the pleasant, pleasant things. Um, then I want you to look at the other side of the hallway. I want you to walk slowly down that hallway. And on the other side of the hallway, um, those are experiences that have caused you deep pain, uh, deep frustration, deep remorse. You know, as we walk down that hallway and we look carefully at each of those paintings, that's an important step to understanding who God has created us to be. As you examine those portraits, you know, take time and say, God, hey, help bring to memory those important portraits. You know, what are the lessons that we, that we glean from them? What are the things that God wants to teach us about, about those portraits? Um, you know, there, the first thing that we see here is this, that there is, there is purpose in our past. You know, there's purpose in our experience. God uses our experience to change the lives of others. Um, the first that we see is positive portraits. Positive portraits. If you have your Bible, I want you to open up to Acts 22. And this is the story of Paul. And he basically just tells his testimony. He's speaking to the people and, and um, he goes through and in verse 6, he says, man, I was on my way. He was, he was persecuting Christians. If you don't know the story, he was killing Christians. He was a he was, he was the worst of the worst. Um, he was a soldier. And he says, I was on my way 
and drew near to Damascus. And about noon, a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm, the G- I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. Verse nine, now, uh, uh, chapter 22, verse nine. Now those who were with me saw the light, but they did not understand. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And he said, you should rise and go into Damascus. And there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And then he, then he goes through here. And, he, and he, if you continue to read, and he, and he tells how God had changed his life. That, that moment, that positive portrait in Paul's life is a turning point. It's a point in his life that changed everything else, right? That moment marked his life. And so we oftentimes talk about our spiritual birthday, you know, sometimes. What's the day that, you know, you remember accepting Jesus into your life? You know, I, I think I did that every day from like 13 to 18. I don't know that I have an exact day and that's okay. But what are those moments, those positive portraits that God has put into your life? And I want, to th- I want you to think about them this way. Um, personally, so this would be, um, th- you know, successes. Maybe you won the three-legged race, and that's a really important positive portrait for you, the potato sack race. I don't know if they do those anymore, but, but a personal portrait. You know, that's in your hallway. And you go, man, this, and I want you to think about each of these as we're talking about them. Maybe sketch those down. But you go, man, this is just something in my life that when you ask me personally, what's a really awesome thing that has happened to you, a success? You go, man, I can just name it like that. What's a, what's a personally positive, vocationally? You know, man, what, what is, do you go, hey, this was just a, vac- a vocational success. I remember getting a little plaque, salesman of the year one day. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I, it wasn't really that awesome, but what is something, man? You go, this is just a big success in my career. Maybe it's a promotion. Maybe you were made partner. Maybe you got a job that you didn't really deserve, a vocational, um, a relational success. Maybe this is like me. I married this, this woman that I never thought in a million years would marry a thug like me. Maybe you got a friendship, um, but a relational success. What about an educational success? Um, I think for me, obviously, even going to college, getting a master's degree, I can't even believe that they would give a guy like me a master's degree in anything. Um, but that was a big success. Now, I remember graduation day well. Um, what about you? What's, what's a major educational success? Those are often pictures, snapshots of our life that we would put in that photo album on our, on our nightstand. So, and then the last one, man, spiritual. What, what's a spiritual success for you? Maybe um, you, led a, you had the opportunity to lead someone to faith. Maybe you had a spiritual conversation that you, you go, man, I always look back and remember that conversation. Um, so those are the ones, personal, vocationally, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, those, sh- those are some of the portraits that would line the hallway of your life if you were going down. Um, then we go to the other side, which isn't quite as fun to talk about, but it's painful portraits. Painful portraits. Second um, Corinthians, uh, we, re- we read this, I believe, last week, but I want to read it one more time because I think it's, it's just an incredible reminder. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. If you haven't memorized this verse, I would highly suggest this be a verse that you memorize and commit uh, to memory. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He, the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all, 
if you haven't underlined that word, all, every single affliction, God comforts us. So that, so there's a reason that he comforts us. He doesn't just comfort us so that we go home and live happy ever, ever after. He comforts us so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, not just the same as ours, but any affliction with the comfort with which ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through, so through Christ we share abundant in comfort also. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which, uh, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Um, and so there is, um, there is dignity in our suffering. There is um, beauty in our suffering. Now, I'm not, when I say suffering, when I say painful portraits, I'm, I'm not talking about the time you lost your favorite toy or your roommate deleted American Idol off your DVR before you watched it, okay? Um, I, I'm talking about the kind of uh, pain that feels like you got punched directly in, in the gut, um, so when our son Noah was born, uh, again, I told you that story. They came in, they told us, hey, he has Down syndrome. And I was like, wow, that, that's unexpected. Um, we went home after that. And then they said, hey, can you come back? Three days later, they said, can you come back to the hospital? I was like, oh, man, what do you, you know, what's going on now? Did we leave? I don't think we left anything, you know. <laughs> and they said, we just need to talk to you. We ran a test. And I was like, oh, that, that's cool. What, what else does he have? And so we went down there. I'm in the car. I'm like, hey, you're a doctor. Like, don't you know? She's like, I'm not his doctor. And so we get down there, and then it got really serious, like really quick. And I'm like, whoa, this is like more serious than originally. And so they came in and said, hey, we got to let you know something. We, we uh, ran this newborn screen test on Noah, and we checked for these really rare diseases, much more rare than Down syndrome, like one in a million type things. And we think Noah, Noah tested positive for this genetic condition called GA1, glutaric acidemia type 1. I was like, huh, that's interesting. Uh, and, and we don't know if he has it yet. We, it's so rare we have to send it to a lab in another state like Washington or somewhere. It's going to take about 60 to uh, I think 90 days to get this back. Um, but it's so rare to have Down syndrome and GA1 that if Noah had it, he'd be the only kid in the history of the world to ever have the two of those things. He would have hit the genetic jackpot, so to speak. Um, Oprah would be calling you guys to be, she said that, to be on the show. It would be, very, it would be the craziest thing ever. But, I'm like, but he already tested positive, right, is what you're saying? Like, yeah, but we need to confirm it. I'm like, oh, man. So we get home. My wife, like, I see this view on her face. I'm like, what is, hey, Ab, what is that thing that they talked about? What is that? I mean, it looks cool. I mean, what, what is GA1? She's like, well, you promised me not, not to Google it. And, 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 like, she knows I'm like a, you know, I would Google it. And she goes, hey, would you please let me give you medical information on that before you Google it? So I'll never forget, I'm sitting there. If I had a snapshot, I, was, I, I took a bath, you know. I was taking a bath just to go, man, I got to just relax for a second. She came in and handed me this document. And she goes, hey, I printed this off. I want you to read it. And then we're going to talk about it. And I remember thumbing through it. And it said that GA1 was this really rare metabolic disorder where when you and I eat food and we use the restroom, proteins go out of our body. Well, if you have GA1, the proteins store in your brain. And the proteins don't leave. And any day could be the last day of your life. So you could live to be 4, 5, 8, 21. It's so rare, they don't know a lot about it. You start trying to find blogs, there's not blogs because no one really has this thing. And so I'm like, it says when you eat food, the food could kill you. And if you don't eat food, not eating food could definitely kill you. So I remember going, Abby, hey, this looks really serious. And then she just started weeping. I started weeping. 
And I was like, man, why would God give us both of these things? And it was incredibly painful. Um, so three months go by. Actually, it was less than that. But crazy stories and all this, we found out that was a false positive in the midst of that. Um, but God did something really crazy in our hearts during those two to three months. Um, every night we prayed, we fasted. I don't even know why people really fast, but I was like, God, I don't know why, but I'm not even going to eat today for some reason, just to let you know I'm serious about this. I, that's all I know how to do is fast. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to put scripture everywhere so I can remind myself of truth. And it was the darkest days of my, of my spiritual life. And I remember on my knees going, God, why in the world? You gave my son Down syndrome. You let that happen. Now you might possibly take his life too. Why in the world would you do that? Why would you let a dad have a son and then kill the son? And God's like, man, he reminded me so sweet. Like, man, you want to talk about a dad killing a son? You want to, I can comfort you with the comfort. And so God did this thing in our hearts. And I remember all I could do was put scripture on the walls because I just said, God, I, gotta, I, I, I have to just constantly remind myself of your truth. And it was a fight. It was a fight because when we're walking through painful times, man, it, it can be a battle. But God so sweetly got to a point in our life where I, I remember one day going, hey, Abby, did you cry today? And she's like, nope. Did you cry today? And I'm like, no, man, I, I have a peace. And I remember going, God, hey, look, man, help me not just say this, but believe it. But no matter what you do with my son, may I trust you. If you take his life away from me, may I trust you in that? And then we found out that was um, a false positive, man, and we praise, we praise God. But God did something really unique in my painful portrait. And so for you, what, is your, what are your painful portraits? And these are the things that you don't like to think about. Um, I think Regen is an awesome ministry at our church. Over half of our staff has gone to Regen. How awesome is that? I've gone to Regen, many of our staff. And man, they walk you through painful things. You take inventories of your life. And if you haven't been to Regen, I think it's one of our best ministries at Watermark. And you go through these painful portraits and you look at them and you say, God, what is the beauty in this pain? What's the thing that you have in this experience that you can use? And so, I mean, the list goes on. Divorce, abuse, death, alcoholism, cancer, depression, job loss, bankruptcy, eating disorders, miscarriage, suicide, abortion, affairs. I mean, the pains are endless. I'm talking about the kind of portraits that you hope if someone walks in your house, you hide those snapshots. You put uh, dust covers over those frames because you go, man, I don't want anyone to see this. What are those areas for your life? Um, God uses those painful portraits to shape us and to grow, grow our faith. You know, those are the things in our life that, that what we do is we let Satan go, hey, don't ever tell anyone that. Don't ever tell anyone that you had a past abortion. Don't ever tell anyone that you struggle with an eating disorder. Don't ever, don't ever let anyone find out about that thing because if they find out, they're gonna judge you. And, and you're going to be disqualified from ministry. Let me tell you something. Those qualify you for ministry. Don't ever let someone tell you that your pains aren't redemptive. Don't ever let tell someone, you know, I've been arrested. I could tell you on and on about my life. And don't ever let anyone tell you that your painful experiences, your painful snapshots aren't beautiful in the eyes of the creator. Because God wants to take your scars. You know, all a scar is is proof that healing has happened. And so you take your scars and you say, God, hey, would you use these to change someone's life? But if you cover them up with dust covers and pretend they never happened, you waste your experiences. You waste your experiences. I want to read you a quote. We're almost done with this section. And the quote is by Max Lucado. And um, the quote goes like this. It says, um, it's, by, it's about one of his books called Shaped by God. And it says, um, to melt down the old, 
to melt down the old and to recast as new is a very disrupting process. But with time, a change occurs. What was dull becomes sharpened. What was crooked becomes straight. What was weak becomes strong. And what was useless becomes valuable. Then the blacksmith ceases his pounding and he sets down his hammer. In the still silence, he examines the smoking tool. The implement is rotated and examined for any cracks or mars, and there are none. The pliable soft mineral becomes an unbending useful tool. See, God sees our life from beginning to end. He may lead us through a storm at age 30 so that we can endure a hurricane at age 60. An instrument is only useful only if it's in the right shape. A dull axe or a bent screwdriver needs attention, and so do we. A good blacksmith keeps his tools in shape, and so does God. A good blacksmith keeps his tools in shape, and so, uh, so does God. Um, and again, same things, personally, vocationally, relationally. And then let me tell you something. These are hard ones to go back to sometimes. These are hard ones to think about. Because, man, we're, we're just trained by our culture to sweep things under the rug. I grew up in a family that did not handle conflict well. We still don't handle conflict well. We ignore things. We don't talk for months sometimes. Very dysfunctional way to handle conflict. But we sweep things under the rug and we hope things go away. That's, that's wasting experiences. That's wasting relational experiences. And so, man, think about your scars and pray and say, God, how would you use it? You know, a lot of our ministries, like you heard last week, they're started by people who took their scars and said, God, would you use it? So, you know, our friend that spoke last week started the prodigal ministry. We have ministries for, for men and women who have had sexual abuse, for had abortions. I think we're one of the only churches I've ever seen that minister to men of abortions. I think that's awesome. Uh, because a, a guy says, hey, man, I, had an, uh, I was part of an abortion and I hurt. And so, man, that's one of the things that I love about the Watermark News. I hope you read those every week because those are people really going, hey, here's, I mean, they're putting all that on the line in front of 10,000 people on a Sunday. Here's my story. Then we put it on the website. And, and so if you have a scar, know this, you're at a church. We, we're not embarrassed of your scars. Uh, I think if you've ever been to church, I wish I would have brought the video, but we have a staff video where all it is is staffs going, man, I have a problem with, I had an eating disorder, a pornography disorder, a spending disorder, every kind of disorder. Like we're not embarrassed of your scars at Watermark and at Watermark, your scars don't disqualify you. And so know that you're at a church where we don't waste scars or experiences around here. We use those and they're valuable. And so at this church, you might've been to another church with a bad experience, but at this church, it's okay to be who God created you to be and it's okay to share your experiences. That's how you live on mission for God. Real quick, how to not waste your experiences. How to not waste them. Um, allow God to redeem your experiences for his glory and the good of others. You allow God to redeem your experiences for his glory and the good of others. Um, you know, like I said, I was arrested. My, girl, my wife now bailed me out of jail. I had an embarrassing past, man. But you know what? Now I share it. Now I share it. I go, hey, man, I, I, I had a lot of problems. And by God's grace, I'm not who I used to be. Let me tell you about that. And so by God's grace, all of us in this room are not who we used to be. And so we allow God to redeem our experiences. I grew up in a broken home. My dad was an alcoholic and it, it was bad. Um, but now I'm a different guy. I'm a, I'm a dad that I wish my dad would have been. And so, man, we allow God to redeem our experiences. We realize that God wastes no achievement and no pain that we fully surrender to him. Man, I mean that, guys. God wastes no achievement and no pain that we give him. So if that's a work achievement and we go, God, hey, 
You know, it's sort of like when you see a, a sports figure or a rapper on MTV Music Awards. I don't watch that anymore, but I can't believe it's still on. And they're like, yo, you know, glory to God. And you're like, glory to God. But like, you can also win an award and, and give glory to God, right? You can waste an achievement. And so, man, take an achievement. It's okay to brag. We talked about that the other day and say, I'm good at this thing, but I'm going to give God the glory. Um, but God also doesn't waste our pain. I, man, and there's many people in this church, myself included, many of our staff included, that will tell you uh, God does not waste pain. Uh, the only way you waste pain is when you keep it inside, bottled up, and don't, don't let God use it. And then, um, last one here, uh, refuse to be enamored with your achievements or paralyzed by your pain. Um, man, this is a big one. Um, because if you find life in anything, including your achievements, and you lose it, right, let me put it this way. If you find your life in anything other than Jesus and you lose that thing, it, may, it will devastate you and you may never get over it. Um, if you make anything else an idol other than Jesus and you lose that idol, it will devastate you momentarily at the best and at the worst, you may never get over it. Think about past relationships. You know, people get into relationships with people they shouldn't be in and then they lose that, they make an idol out of that person, they lose that person and man, they have to go to therapy for years, right? Because man, I thought that was the one. They make an idol out of that. They get a job and they lose that. They get a career, they get something and then they lose it. And, and, it, and it devastates their life. And so, um, man, celebrate achievements, but, but, but don't forget who the source of the achievement is, right? Um, and then don't be paralyzed by your pain. Um, and that's a daily fight. That's not easy. It's easy to write that and type that on a screen. Um, but don't be paralyzed by your pain. Um, God finds beauty in your pain. God finds beauty in your suffering. Uh, there's beauty in suffering. And so, um, yeah, man, it's all God's. And so that's where we want to, that's where we want to end tonight. So that's our, our um, personality and our experience. And now what I'm going to do, I'm going to take, let's take a real short break, like a five minute break, bathroom break. And then you do not want to miss what we got coming up uh, with my friend Mo. So we'll see you in just about five minutes. There's nothing like uh, technical difficulties for a perfectionist to watch his one work and uh, not work out. So sorry about the sound. It's actually, um, the, the whole video sounds a lot different than it does on this. For whatever reason, it didn't work right tonight. Uh, let me do this. I'd love to pray, and then I uh, would love to share a little bit about um, my story with you guys. Father, uh, I thank you that uh, in spite of technical difficulties, you are exalted. And so, Lord, I, I just ask that your name would be um, honored tonight uh, through the story that you've written on the, on the lives of the, the pictures that, of people we saw tonight and um, the story that you've written in my life. And I pray for my friends here in this room that they'd be encouraged, God, that they would walk by faith in you, and God, that you would unleash them in this world uh, to do good. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I, thank you so much for having me. Um, this feels weird having a microphone stuck to my beard, but that's the best way to talk, I think. Uh, I count this totally as an honor and a blessing to get to share what God has done um, in my life. And so I just wanted to start Rick asked me to share a little bit of my story with you guys and how I got there. And it was, um, I think, God's providence that he talked about experience and how experiences shape uh, your story and who you are and, and what you end up um, doing. So I'll start from the beginning. Uh, my family immigrated here from Iran uh, when I was five years old. And uh, we arrived, didn't speak a word of English. Uh, we fled um, Iran during the revolution or right after it started and uh, somehow ended up in Texas. Um, pretty, pretty good childhood. First couple years for me here were, were great. I was in a pretty diverse 
background, neighborhood, diverse school. Uh, and then uh, we ended up moving a little further north and ended up in a place where um, it wasn't so diverse. And uh, instantly I was um, one of, I would say, one of the minority kids at the school. And it was, it was hard being from Iran uh, when I was growing up. I'll say that. And so um, uh, this is part of God shaping me. So when I arrived at this new school, my nickname became Ayatollah Ali. Uh, because that's what I went by, my middle name, Ali. And so I asked the teacher to call me Muhammad uh, the first week. And by the end of the week, it was actually just Mo. And uh, I did that just to not get beat up because it was hard. Uh, so very instantly I learned, hey, I had, I had to survive somehow. Uh, and so for my formative years, I, I uh, basically grew up trying to get by and being a chameleon. Um, this lasted all the way through junior high until I met a couple guys that really loved me for who I was and uh, didn't care where I came from or, or what I did. And these guys shared the gospel with me, shared who Jesus was and, and who he was in their lives. And I saw it. And uh, so about um, when I was 16, I, I made a decision to trust or entrust my life to Jesus. And um, he took away um, some of the things that really ailed me most of my life. I was an angry kid, angry teenager growing up. Uh, he took that away immediately. Um, there's some things I held on to, uh, my insecurities, uh, and, and wanting to be liked by you or whoever, the, whoever it was that was in front of me. And so I held on to those things for about 10 years. Um, fast forward through college, fast forward, um, to my early, um, young adult years. Uh, I was off and trying to become the greatest photographer in the world. Um, how I got there uh, or how I got to being a photographer was I took an elective in college uh, and realized, hey, this is something I really like. Uh, and it was as simple as that and, and moving towards that. But it was really about how I could get attention from me. So uh, God allowed me to have some, some success early on uh, in my career, uh, but I was never um, at peace. And, uh, and so I'll, I'll just kind of get to the point right here where things changed for me, where it didn't become about my kingdom anymore. It became about Jesus's kingdom. Uh, I was uh, about 25, I guess, and I was at a party and I uh, just got back from the Middle East. I'd just finished a story on uh, the elections there and got to photograph the president of Iran. And I thought I'd made it. I thought that that was going to set my career on the right uh, trajectory and that I would be the man in photography. Uh, well, I was wrong. Um, I ended up doing another uh, little shoot uh, um, on the border of Iran and Afghanistan on some refugees. And that crushed me, uh, just seeing utter darkness and poverty. And you saw some of that there, um, not from that particular piece. But um, I came back to the States uh, kind of questioning who God was, um, mainly because um, I didn't get what I wanted out of that, that shoot with the president. I never got published. Uh, and so I, I didn't make it big and, uh, and came back and uh, September 11th happened. And uh, I began to question going, God, why would you allow this to happen? Why would you allow evil on this proportion to happen? And, and all the things that I've seen. And um, I wasn't asking the right question. So the Lord uh, allowed me to kind of walk through that for a little bit and get to a place where I was fully broken and willing to give my life um, uh, or willing to ask him to be the Lord of my life. So I was saved, but he was never my Lord. Uh, not until that point. So uh, Without going into great detail, I was at a party, and, uh, and the Lord just showed me, hey, this road that you're going down is empty, and you've been down this road before. And so I remember driving home from this party. It was right around this time of year, matter of fact. And, uh, 
and just asking the Lord to change me and knowing that, um, he had saved me. I just asked him, Hey, would you show me a place to go where I can learn how to follow you? Uh, four days later, I had a friend of mine call from that went to watermark and, uh, hadn't talked to him in several years from college. And he just said, Hey man, I just want to invite you to church. Would you want to come? And he kind of asked kind of sheepishly a little bit, like he was a little embarrassed to call and ask. Uh, and I was like, yes, I would love to go. Uh, later, many years later, I, I shared with him that I prayed a prayer that got answered through him. He had no idea I was in the country. He had no idea that I was where I was. He just felt led to call me because God had placed that on his heart. So, uh, I'll start kind of with, uh, what I wanted to share with you guys about, uh, how I found my mission, uh, to do what I'm doing now and, and do it not for me, but for the Lord. Uh, and that would be, um, once I started coming here and, uh, I was scared to go back into that kind of photography, which you just saw, cause I thought I would try to make it about me again. And, uh, and, um, through some really good friends and some great community around me going, Hey, this is how God has wired you and shaped you. Uh, and so grab my notes here real quick. So I, I would just share with you that, um, what you got to see there are, are some of the stories that I've gotten to work on overseas. And, um, what inclines me to go do these stories is to tell God's story and to tell um, uh, you guys about what he's doing through other people uh, around the world. And uh, really what it gives me a platform of the camera gives me a platform for the gospel. So the places that you guys got to see, these were from the last four or five years. Uh, you saw some stories from Cambodia and the dump. You saw Sri Lanka um, at a special needs home. Uh, each of those places I've gotten to go talk to people and tell them about Jesus and what he's done. And so the camera is just my passport uh, and, it, and another platform to share the gospel, much like tonight with you guys. Uh, uh, one of the ways that um, I, I would just submit to you that, that God has allowed me to go do this, what I'm doing right now, is being broken um, as a child and learning how to be kind of a chameleon and, and fit in places allows me to go to places. People always ask, how do you go there? And how do you get into these places? And I tell them, I don't know, but I just know it's the way that God has wired me. And it's because of my experiences, I think, in my childhood that taught me how to survive. So what, you know, what man intended for harm towards me, God intended for good. And he's using that for good in my life. The other thing I would say is uh, when I get to go to these places, um, uh, just, uh, from some of the brokenness and from some of the, the hope that God has given me, uh, for whatever reason, I can, I can get in and go and survive and be okay being on my own. Um, so this is not my natural platform. Rick is great on stage. I'm not, uh, so, uh, when he asked me to do this, I knew I was supposed to do it, but I'm an introvert. So, if, you know, you guys went through your personality platform. I'm an INFP. This is not what I love to do to stand here and, and tell you, I'd much rather show you with pictures uh, what God is doing through me. But I know that, um, that he uses everything and anything for, for good. So, um, I guess I, I would love to just transition and just say this, maybe a couple of questions just to challenge you guys, um, in the way that the Lord's challenged me. Um, a, a good friend of mine, I, I looked out, I just saw Nick. We've got a, a mutual friend, uh, who has been a big influence in my life. And he just, uh, really challenged me when I was questioning, hey, do I go back into this kind of photography? Because I'm, I'm scared to go do it. One, because I think I'm going to make it about me and not about the Lord. And uh, and he's like, well, you won't know until you, until you go into it. And you won't know unless you act to believe and you believe to act. And I was like, what, what does that even mean? 
um, some like some crazy you know proverb he made up, and I think he got it from Wagner somewhere at some point. Uh, but really, what he was saying is, hey, jump in, risk, and, and when you risk, you'll find out, and, and you'll begin to believe that, hey, is this what I'm supposed to do? And then you've got to believe that God is going to use that in some way, in some form, um, which He has. Uh, and He also asked me this question. I'll ask you guys to, what if you had nothing to prove and nothing to lose? Whatever that thing is that that maybe God's asking you to do, or uh, that you haven't done yet, or you're going, I'm scared to take this chance because what if I fail? That, and let me just confess, my greatest fear is failure. Uh, and I think that's still a sin that the Lord is, is stripping me of. Um, uh, next question I'd ask you is, um, and Rick mentioned this, uh, what's the, what is the best thing for you? And, and, and what do I need to eliminate in my life? And it might even be a good thing. I constantly am asking myself that question. I've got good men in my life that are asking me that question all the time. Just going, hey, is that, is that the best thing? Uh, right? So it's easy to do a lot of good things, especially here at Watermark. If you've been involved for a while, it's just really easy to jump in a lot of things. And you get praise, and it's, it's great, and it's fun. And, you, you know, you might be doing um, some really cool things, but the reality is you might not be doing the best thing. And that's a question that I have to ask myself all the time and kind of pull back and go, hey, am I doing the best thing? And for me, um, oftentimes it's doing that. And I don't get to do that often enough. Um, a lot of times because I'm, I'm distracted or, man, I really like the good things. Um, the last question I'd ask you is, uh, what does faithfulness look like in your life? Uh, so it might not be going to a, a foreign place and uh, taking pictures. It might be being right here. It might be going to West Dallas and mentoring a kid. Uh, but what does that look like for you in your life? And uh, I think I've got maybe two or three minutes. Uh, so I would just leave you with one last thought. And something the Lord uh, availed in me through his word is that um, uh, something that I had to learn because I wanted it to be about me for a long, long time. But I realized... Uh, through him, that it's all for him, it's all by him, it's all in him. Uh, there's nothing that I can do without him. Even coming up here, standing up here, sharing my story with you guys is because of who he is and what he's done in my life. And so if you're scared or if you're going, hey, what am I supposed to do? I'm in this class. I've been here for four weeks. What's the next, next thing? And I would say, I don't know what that is for you, but I would just, I would prayerfully do what Rick did. Uh, and what I, what I did, and I did it, I would say the wrong way. I did it because, man, I just got to a place of brokenness and I was going, okay, God, I don't even want to do this. Um, but God had a different plan and you can take heart that, uh, uh, that you want, you wouldn't be the only one. If you go to Hebrews 11 and look at, um, what's often called the hall of fame of faith, uh, Abraham was not qualified. Uh, neither were, neither am I, and, and neither is, Rick, if you would have asked him if he would be doing what he's doing uh, 10 years ago today, he would say, no, that's crazy. And, and you guys have all seen his giftedness up here. So anyway, thank you guys for letting me share with y'all. And, uh, and I think Rick's going to come back up. Thanks, Mo. It is, it, man, did you guys hear what he said? He said in there, he said, um, my camera... My, my camera is my platform, but it's my platform to get me access. It's my, it's my passport. 
you know? <clears throat> my camera is my passport. A passport gets us access to places, to people. And so I was just thinking why he said that. You know, it's like so many of us, we identify ourselves by our, our profession, right? We go, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a teacher, you know, who's a Christian. But, but really, you're a Christian disguised as a teacher. You know, you got you to gotta flip it. You know, Mo could say, I'm a photographer who's a Christian. But Mo says, no, 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 I'm a Christian. That's my identity disguised as a photographer. That's, that's my access. That takes me places. And that may sound cheesy, but ask yourself, man, whoever you are, your identity is in Christ. And Christ has strategically positioned you in a place, a garden, just like Adam and Eve. And he put them in the garden and said, I want you to honor me in this garden. God has given you a garden. He's giving you a place. And he says, hey, don't go to work tomorrow because that will drive you crazy, right? If you just wake up and go, man, I got to go fight traffic, clock in, do this task, clock out. Like you got to live for more than that. And and it's the same working at a church, right? It's like you come in, you work, you do your job. Like I would drive myself crazy. Like I couldn't get out of bed for that. You got to know that your life counts for something, that what you're doing counts for something. And when you go to work tomorrow, you're going to meet people that God, I believe, it sounds hokey, it sounds crazy, but I believe that God strategically puts people in your path. I, I believe that about God, that he's sovereign. And so when you're at work, you're a cashier at Target, and someone comes to your line, they may need some hope. You know, you're a librarian, and that kid comes in, they may need, like, God has put you places tomorrow, and you have got to go. I think JP uses this illustration that I love, and he talks about this idea of being in battle, right? That, that we're in battle, and you're a troop. It's almost like this picture of this, you know, you have this walkie-talkie and you're talking to your commander-in-chief and you're like, hey, here I am. I'm over here. I see the enemy. I see this. Which way do I go, left or right? And the commander goes, go left. Okay, I'm going to go left. Now I'm going to listen. I see this. Which way? And, and you're constantly talking to your commander and you're constantly realizing that you get your direction from someone above, that, that you're taking your orders from someone above and that life, the mission is so much more than how much you can stuff in your bank account, how many people can applaud you if you can get your name on the side of a building someday or a credit in Time Magazine for a photo. Like life, that is so empty. And man, many of us in this room could share a testimony about how it's just a sandcastle, right? You build this really big sandcastle and then a wave comes and knocks it over. And so we got to live our life for more than that. And so, man, I, we, we want next week, I think, is going to be one of my favorite weeks. You know, next week, so we've gone through the S-H-A-P-E. We've talked about the first night, our position to God, and, and really said, hey, you can't be on mission. Well, no, we actually said that everyone is on mission, and being faithful to something is easy, but being faithful to the right things is difficult. Everyone's faithful to something. You can just go to a sports bar on Sunday, right, and see that. Everyone is faithful. You can go to Sherlock's and see that. But being faithful to the right thing all of our life, that, that is hard. That's something you've got to fight together with other people who love God and love you. Then the next three weeks we talked about, man, what's our purpose? How has God designed us? We, we've given you some tests. I hope that you took that shape form and you have worked through that. I hope that you um, have taken some of the other resources that we've given you and you've thought through those, some of the slides that we've given you. All the audio will be online. We're going to send you an email. Uh, Brett has put together some really awesome notes that we're going to send you that has sort of the highlights of what we've talked about. And so I hope you begin to process through some of that. And then next week, we're going to do something really, I think, awesome. So we're going to have some stations. It's going to be sort of a workshop 
night. And I hope that you will come because I think it's very important. So we're going to give you some options. Let me tell you a little bit about that. The first thing um, is we are going to have a three-minute testimony coaching. So if you go, hey, I'd really like to sit down with someone and just talk about my testimony. I'd like to be able to tighten that up. You know, we think that's really important. Everyone should be able to share their testimony in three minutes. And so... um, and, and so you just go, hey, would you help me uh, wordsmith that a little bit? Would you help me just tighten that up? Um, I, I'm a real wordy guy, so I have a problem doing anything in three minutes. And so um, I need a lot of coaching in that area. And so, man, three-minute testimony coaching, um, we, we want to help you with that. Um, individual shape coaching. And so really, we're going to set aside at least 10 minutes, maybe even more, depending on how many people sign up. And we have some sign-up forms for the coaching um, the testimonies in the back and the coaching right out those doors. And you go, hey, I want to set up an appointment, sit down with someone for 10 minutes and really walk through my shape, the spiritual gifts, the personality. Uh, can you help me walk through that? And even go, man, can you help me personalize it to say, hey, how can I plug in at Watermark? What, what would be some good opportunities? What's that next step? Because you wasted your whole four weeks if you've just come and listened to me talk for four nights if you don't take the next step. So, Please don't waste these four weeks. You've got to take a next step, and that's what next week is. So individual shape coaching, or you just want to talk to somebody, okay? You just need a friend. I like to talk to people. You go, man, I just want to talk to someone. We're going to be here. I like to talk. Um, but you're going to know, really, I just want to sit down. I want to help. Um, I love that. That's really the favorite, my, my, the best part of my job is doing those things. Like, I want to sit down with you, our, our friends in the back. Um, on our staff, we want to sit down with you and go, man, let's help you. Let, let's help you individualize this thing. Because we know on purpose, the last four weeks, we've kind of given you a 10,000 foot room uh, view because everyone has unique personalities, unique gifts, unique everything, experiences. So next week, we want to help you walk through that. One last thing, we're going to do some breakout groups. And here's what I need you to do. I need your help. So we got those cards from you last week. And man, I was blown away by the amount of gifts and talents um, that are in this room. Like, I mean, if we started a business and I had this room full of people, we would dominate business, all right? But we're not about that. We're trying to live on mission for Jesus. So we're going to flip the script and do something for Jesus. And so, um, but here's what we want to do. Based on those cards, we sort of broke it up into these sort of buckets. Um, and, and, but we can't have all those people here with us. And so what we want to do is this. On your table, you're going to find another note card. And what I want you to do is I want you to write down number one, number two, and go, hey, Rick, if you were to bring in the best of the best, I mean, we have some gifted people on our staff and, and through our ministry partners, and so these are like A-listers in my book, right? And so you go, hey, if you could bring somebody in here to help me, walk me through sort of what the next step is, how I can use my giftedness to serve in these areas, um, we want to bring those people in. And so children's ministry, and, and when I say children's, that could be from zero to college. I mean, really, I mean, I, I, children is sort of a misnomer, but you go, man, I want to work with teenagers. I want to work with high school students. I want to work with elementary school students. Um, so you go, man, I want, to, I want you to help me plug in in that area. Pastoral ministry, so you go, man, I want to help uh, learn how to pastorally take people to God's word and walk them through their problems with uh, biblical-based uh, answers. That's another one. Inner city, so you go, man, I have, really have a heartbeat um, for serving the inner city, serving right here in Dallas, um, 30 miles that way or five miles that way. I want to learn how to help plug in in that area. Women's ministry, a lot of women go, hey, I want to know as a woman at Watermark, how can I use my gifts? Help me 
be mobilized as a woman. And so if you go, man, bring in someone, help me do that, we will want to do that. Arts. So arts would be um, any sort of thing, something like Mo, like what he talked about tonight. Uh, you have a gift of, of singing, worshiping. Uh, maybe you like to paint. We have a lot of really unique opportunities for that at Watermark. Those sets that we build every time that Todd or JP has a sermon, the porch, they have these really awesome setups. Those are made by gifted people on our, on our volunteer team. Almost everything that you see is a volunteer type situation. So arts, evangelism, you go, man, I have a heart for the gospel. I want to learn how to share my faith. And then I want to learn about opportunities to go do that. Trafficking. So a lot of you said, man, I have a heart for human trafficking, for for sex uh, trade, all those sorts of things, man. If that's an area where you go, man, I'd like for y'all to bring in someone that we can sit and learn under. And then external focus. That's at Watermark, we like to use external focus. Don't tell Todd I said this, but that's also called missions. And so if you're a fan of missions, if you're a Baptist guy like I am, we call that the mission department. At Watermark, we call it external focus. That's our code word. But um, they're interchangeable. Um, but you go, man, and that can be local or international. You go, man, I, I, I want to serve doubt. And again, we always, and the reason we do that is because I mean, people have a weird understanding of mission. Our whole life is a mission. I mean, if you're a Christian, your life is a mission trip. And so when you go to work tomorrow, I believe God believes that you're on a mission trip. Uh, When you go to eat at Chili's tonight, you're on a mission trip. Um, Everything's a mission trip. And so um, local or international, and that could also tie into inner city. But you go, man, I want to learn more about opportunities at Watermark. Do you know we take a ton of trips? over overseas and here locally to go to go do that and so what i want you to do is on that card and you can do both so you could do like your your um the coaching or the testimony three minute testimony times and one of these so feel okay to sign up on those uh, signups for testimonies or coaching and write out a breakout so you can easily slip out for your appointment and then come back so say my first choice if you could bring one person one expert on these topics bring in this topic, and then my second choice. And so what we're going to do, take those, put those together, and we're going to create some workshops for you next week. And so please don't skip out on that, because I think that's the next step. And really our heartbeat is to give you a tangible next step. We hope that we can bring in some people that'll be useful for you, and that you can walk out of here feeling like, man, I know what my next step is uh, to serve. So, man, this has been a joy to to um, look at God's word with you. I hope it has been useful to you. I hope you've seen things and learned things about yourself. And um, man, I hope that you'll join us next week as we dig a little bit deeper. So let me pray for us. And man, I've had a lot of fun with you guys. And, and I'm, I'm serious. I said this on the first night. If we could take this room of people right here and really be radically on fire about the next step. And, because really all you do is take the next step, right? I mean, you know, how do you do any of these things? You just take one step at a time. That's all you do. And so we're going to talk about the next step next week. And so if we can mobilize this group of people, I think we could change the city of Dallas. I mean, and even as far as the world, who knows? But um, there's a lot of power in this room right now and a lot of gifts in this room right now that could change the city. Let me pray for us. God, we, man, we are so thankful that um, you have not made us like everyone else, that you've made us unique. And sometimes we get insecure about our uniqueness. We get insecure about who you created us to be. We covet the next person's gifts. We look at a guy like Mo and we go, man, it'd be cool to take pictures like that. Um, but you, you, you've created us to do other things. And we all can't be Moe's. We all can't be Todd Wagner's. Uh, you've created us to do other things. And so would you help us not spend our life trying to be like another person, but help us to figure out who you created us to be and, and let us... Uh, experience that all of our days and that not for our glory not so we can get our name on a building but that we can make you famous and you got to help us with that god because um in our hearts they're, they're deceitful they're wicked 
uh, man, we're quick to make ourselves the king. And uh, would you help us not to do that and to live lives not like everyone else that we work with tomorrow, like many that we work with tomorrow that want to make themselves king, but let us make you king. And uh, we want to we make an impact. We're a generation, we're many generations in this room who want to leave us a, a legacy, not for ourselves, but for you. Uh, we want to do something that outlives our own life. And so would you help us to do that? Help us keep our eyes on you, not to waste our painful portraits or our positive portraits and to celebrate who you've created us to be. Uh, We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Christ's name.